Sports. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves' final score, 122-118. This was a good game. This was a really fun game to be at. Except for when it wasn't, except for when there were a whole bunch of fouls, except for when there was a lot of uh, slowing the game down. There's a lot of histrionics between the two teams about just what the heck is a foul call, what isn't a foul call. There were, I think, 56 combined free throws in the first three quarters alone. There are just a ton, a metric ton of fouls, but the Nuggets come out of there with a victory, and that's the most important thing. And really excited to get into that, really excited to talk about Nicola, about Jamal, and everything in between for this Nuggets team. But first, uh, congratulations to Nikola Jokic, who set the franchise record for NBA or for Nuggets assists in a career. Uh, this is regular season only, but that's the, it's just shows how crazy he is. Eight seasons, and he's about midway through season number eight, and he has really captivated this Nuggets franchise in a way that I don't think any superstar really has before. So it's been fantastic to watch. He impacts winning in so many ways. And tonight you could see it on, or last night, excuse me, I'm recording this in the morning following. Uh, You could see it in so many different ways and just really, really good to see the Nuggets franchise and the fans just really celebrating that accomplishment for him. Um, This was a good win. Jamal went crazy in the clutch. A lot of fun down the stretch. A lot of exciting things. Uh, We're on YouTube for this episode as well. So apologies for this getting up late. My internet was down last night, but I wanted to get up pretty early and get this going. But we have to talk about this game. We have to have fun with it. We'll start with good buddy Nikola Jokic. Foul trouble. For much of this game, he was in trouble in the beginning or middle of the second quarter, I would say. There were some phantom calls. There were some odd calls made by the this referee crew, Courtney Kirkland, uh, Sean Corbin, I'm pretty sure. Uh, just a lot of odd calls both ways. It, it wasn't like it just affected Denver, but it felt like it affected them more because of the way that Jokic went out. And then Aaron Gordon went out and they both had three fouls apiece in that second quarter, and Denver had to survive without him. Uh, But overall, when Jokic was on the floor, the Nuggets were great, as you can see by the stat line going across the bottom of the screen. Plus 21 in Nikola Jokic's 31 minutes. He had 31 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds, and was just dominant when he was out there. I thought that the T-Wolves did a really nice job defensively in this game with their length and their athleticism. But there's only so much you can do against Nikola Jokic when he is focused, when he is trying to get that W. There's very little that really impacts him, especially over the course of a full 48 minutes. Nas Reed had trouble with him. They tried to switch Kyle Anderson onto him a couple of times. That didn't really work. Most of the time, the T-Wolves were single-covering Nikola Jokic. And so for him to have 13 assists in this particular game, I actually think it's pretty impressive given the way that they were covering him last night. But really exciting game from Nikola. Delivered exactly when the Nuggets needed him to. He got his fourth foul 
uh, towards the middle of the third quarter, then had to sit for much of that. And when he came back in during the fourth quarter, the Nuggets were down. They had to make up some ground. And the T-Wolves fought. They really, really fought. They were doing a great job for the most part of keeping the Nuggets at arm's length, but they couldn't quite get across that 120-point threshold, which the Nuggets seemed to be crossing very frequently of late. And Denver, because of the way that they were playing on the offensive end, were able to kind of uh, get past that threshold, and they were able to get past that with the help of Jokic. Uh, He was great, of course, but also with the help of Jamal Murray, who I thought took over at various points during this game. Looked really good doing it. Had 28 points in his 33 minutes on the back-to-back, and that's probably the most encouraging thing, right? Is on a back-to-back, you need, your, you need your stars to show up. And for a while during the beginning portions of the season, Jamal had to sit. Jamal, it, maybe he didn't have to, but he was sore. He wasn't probably ready to do that at the beginning of the season. And now that he's played a half season on entirely, he looks very good. He looks like he's back to the player, or at least close to the player that he was. And the Nuggets are in that position now where they can turn to him at these various moments when a Nikola Jokic goes out due to foul trouble. At the end of the second quarter, Jamal created the final nine points for the Nuggets. I think it was in the last three minutes or so. It wasn't perfect, but it kept Denver attached. Uh, In the third quarter, when Jokic went out again, you had Murray taking over when he needed to. He scored some points. He got some assists. Most of the time, he just made the job easier for the rest of the team around him. And the team needed that. They absolutely did. There were not a lot of guys tonight, uh, last night that played well. There were a lot of players that really struggled within the minutes that they had. I, I thought that Michael Porter wasn't great. I thought that Aaron Gordon for the first three quarters wasn't great. I thought that KCP was low volume. He was very efficient in his minutes, but didn't really get a lot of shot opportunities. So, you have to have guys that can take over and carry the load. And I thought that Jamal did that. I'll talk about what he did with the bench in the second segment. But down the stretch of this game, he was stuck at the scorer's table. He had played the fine, uh, the full 12 minutes of the second of the third quarter. And he was going to come in at about the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Got stuck at the table while the Nuggets were kind of going back and forth with Minnesota until about the 422 mark, 420 mark. and. He came back in and helped set the table for Joker, but also took over when it mattered and scored seven of his points in clutch time, was three of three, and just did a great job of looking for his own opportunities in the, like, given how much attention that they were putting to Jokic, it was like they were single covering Jokic for much of the game, but they started bringing just a little bit of help, a little bit of extra help, a little bit of extra help, and then Jamal found a seam to really exploit the Minnesota Timberwolves defense. I thought that Jaden McDaniels, who's six foot nine, extremely long and athletic, did a really good job against Murray at the beginning of this game. Uh, McDaniels was just extremely active, long, blocked a couple of three-point shots by Murray. And to have a guy like that that you can throw on Murray, who's just super, super athletic and takes up some of that airspace, is generally a really good thing. And it took Murray a little bit to kind of get into the flow and understand how he was supposed to attack that matchup. But then he got to it. And once he did, there was no turning back. Murray was just in his bag for much of that time afterwards. So really impressive performance from Jamal in general. 
And to have a guy like him who can take away some of the pressure from Nicola and call his own number at times, a lot of Nuggets fans are, I think, remiss if they are, like, they're just concerned if anybody but Nicola calls their own number. And I'm here to tell you that part of Denver's identity heading into the bubble, heading into the best moments of their franchise over the course of the last five years, have been when Jamal also is comfortable enough and capable enough to call his own number. It's not always going to work. And there are going to be times where you're wondering, why didn't Nicola get that shot? But Nicola trusts Jamal completely. And the Nuggets trust Jamal completely. And I think that this is a really good reason why. He has the capability to flip a game completely. And I don't think any other Nugget really has that same capability outside of the Joker. So it's been great. Been great to see from Jamal over the course of these last few games. Uh, Hasn't been super efficient in the previous two, but tonight, very efficient, very effective, and helped Denver get a win. KCP, uh, he got the defensive player of the game chain, I'm pretty sure. And the way that he played defense against Anthony Edwards, immediately after playing defense against Damian Lillard, I thought was really interesting. I made the note during the game that KCP was defending him the same way that they defended Dame, where they're trying to hedge, they're trying to get the ball out of his hands, they're trying to force other players to beat them. And it gets the team like the Timberwolves that's injured, that doesn't have Carl Anthony Towns right now, doesn't have a top-tier finisher in Rudy Gobert. It can be more difficult uh, when, when those guys are on the floor. But when they're off the floor, Denver should be doing a better job at, at containing and making sure that nobody else is beating them. Now, Kyle Anderson was fantastic. Nas Reed was fantastic. Luca Garza off the bench was hitting threes. It was just – it was raining hellfire from the T-Wolves. And I thought that they, they did a really nice job of keeping that game uh, at arm's length for much of the time. But KCP individually against Anthony Edwards, the way that he matched up with him, that was great. That was exactly what you want to see from a veteran. Limiting the number of shot attempts that Anthony Edwards got, forcing some turnovers that were key, not letting him get free from behind the three-point line. That has been what's killed Denver in each of the the last couple of matchups that they faced Ant, is that when he gets hot from three, Denver's cooked. They didn't let that happen tonight. And he had to fight for everything that he got. He wasn't really fouled that often. And having that pretty consistently, uh, such a luxury for this Denver team that they haven't had a guy who can really match up with those kinds of guards and wings over the course of the Jokic era for much of this time. So hopefully this can be a continuity thing, can be something that they continue to do going forward. I think the defense has slipped a little bit over the course of the past few games, but KCP's defense has not. He's been very, very good. He consistently impacts winning, and it's why you see his plus minus doing what it does. He hit a clutch three tonight as well. Uh, One of his dunks, I don't know if he had another one, but the dunk that he had was the, uh, the assist that helped Jokic break his record. It was an out-of-bounds play where KCP was ready for the ball and Jokic pitched it ahead just like he normally does. And really exciting to see how KCP just continues to fit in. Uh, He's just fantastic. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter. Uh, I'll start with Aaron Gordon. He was fine 
Um, overall, not necessarily his best game. I thought that he got cooked a little bit by Kyle Anderson, if I'm being honest. Kyle Anderson, while he was out there, really leveraged Aaron Gordon, really leveraged his athleticism, where AG is somebody who uses his athleticism extremely well against most guys. But Kyle Anderson is not most guys. He averaged, I think he had like 11 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, something like that tonight. And he's just a fantastic player. A really, really great role player who knows how to play and knows how to leverage other players that use their athleticism to keep up. Uh, Anderson hit some floaters. He hit a three. He did everything that he wanted to do against Aaron Gordon and really, I think, won that matchup on the margins to the point that this game was probably closer than it should have been. But I think that Aaron Gordon recovered in that fourth quarter. He hit a pull-up three. He hit the game-sealing uh, dunk on a Jokic drop-off pass right under the rim. Did a really nice job of finding the open space within the uh, along the baseline. And he's just one of those guys that you know that he wants to win so badly that in a situation when Denver needs to get stops at the end, he's not going to be the guy to make mistakes. He's not going to be the guy to be lax in that situation. He's always going to be out there giving it 100% switching on to whoever you need to switch them on to, and at least being competent in that situation. I didn't think it was his best defensive game by any stretch, but it's really exciting to see him bounce back in the midst of a game where he's not really playing well. Uh, the stats weren't great, but he was fine in general after a certain point. I thought that he started the game pretty badly. Michael Porter, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael, <clears throat> God, Michael Porter, not necessarily his best performance, and he was benched in favor of Bruce Brown, who was playing really well. We'll get to him in the second segment. But Michael Porter is just somebody who he needs to see the shot go in a couple of times in order to really fully impact winning. Thought that his defense was fine, not necessarily anything to write home about. They hit shots over him, uh, and I thought that... Like it's just one of those things where okay, if you're if you're gonna get shots hit over you, if you aren't gonna really get hot from the three point line or, or find ways to impact the game as a cutter, then there are other players that make more sense in this situation. Denver needed a guy like Bruce Brown out there when when it mattered just to make sure that they they were solid, they were perfectly good in all of their rotations towards the end of the game, and Bruce Brown. Uh, though he wasn't great for much of the game, really came through towards the end. I think that this is fine for Michael, especially because second night of a back-to-back, you don't have to play a whole bunch of minutes. Like Sometimes the matchup is going to get weird. Sometimes a guy like Jaden McDaniels is going to go off and you just need to see a different player. You need to see a different matchup. And I didn't think it was Michael Porter's night, and that's fine. He'll have a great night next game. And hopefully Denver tries to get him going early in that game so that they can benefit from him throughout the game and benefit from his outside shooting and his versatility as a scorer. So hopefully that can continue, but we will see. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into the second unit and everything that happened with them tonight or last night. But first, Add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with our friends over at Superbook Sports. 
Superbook has over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, and so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into those football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 your year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back and pick Axe and Roll. so much everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always if you can it'd be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast or hit a like on youtube where uh, we are now putting the podcast out as, as quickly as possible i know that sometimes uh, the behind the scenes of that gets a little bit confusing when my internet goes out the previous night but we're doing what we can should be pretty good in this second segment we are going to go over the bench we're going to go over what happened when Jokic went off the floor. There were some moments where it could have spiraled. It could have gotten out of hand. And I think that Denver, for the most part, still wasn't great when Jokic went off the floor. You know, it was funny. I actually, I asked Jamal about this and was kind of in the process of talking about how sometimes it doesn't go well when Joker goes off the floor and he's like, oh, thanks for having faith in us. Thanks for having faith in me. Uh, And I don't know how much he was joking, how much he was serious, but I think he knows I'm in his corner. Um, But yeah, the bench lineup when Jamal was out there with them was Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Nagy. And that's been the lineup that Denver's gone with. It's been the lineup without Jeff Green that Denver has consistently gone to so that they could play a nine-man rotation. And I think you see the vision with it when Jamal plays like this, where he can carry the group as a scorer on a lot of nights. He can carry and take a lot of attention, make things easier for other people. Thought he made it easier for Bruce Brown. Thought he made it easier for Zeke Naji, especially at the end of the second quarter when Jokic was off the floor. That was a key stretch, I think, where Denver could have let it completely spiral, and it was actually kind of close to spiraling. It was tied at 46-46 with the, at about, I think, the 354-346 mark in that second quarter. Joker goes out, and then Aaron Gordon goes out right after him with his third foul. So you've got Murray, Bruce Brown, KCP, Michael Porter, and Zeke Naji on the floor for the final three minutes. And Denver maintains that it wasn't perfect. I think you had some plays where everybody was a little bit confused. I think Michael Porter turned the ball over on a, a pass that was knocked out of his hands and then got picked off. And there were just a lot of plays like that where it didn't look great, but Jamal kind of settled them in, uh, settled everybody down, helped score and assist on the final nine points of the quarter, including a really nice lob to Zeke Naji, where Denver was able to kind of get into that high pick and roll. And the set that they used helped generate some space for Zeke right under the rim. And Jamal hit him with a really nice alley-oop. Uh, Zeke on the night, seven points, three of four from the field, one of one from three, oh of two from the line. That's got to be better. But again, we're kind of running into the situation with Zeke where zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, one turnover was a minus 13 on the evening. 
And I think that that's honestly part of the reason. When you look across at, at guys like Tarian Prince, Nathan Knights, and Luca Garza, who were the three main front court players off the bench for the Timberwolves, like that's a that's an issue with the way that they played. Tarian Prince was very good. That's a Vlatko thing, but Luca Garza was also very good and spaced the floor and also had three offensive rebounds. So I don't think that Denver did a great job of keeping the T-Wolves off the glass. And part of that is Zeke's fault. If Zeke isn't going to grab defensive rebounds, he's got to make sure that Luka Garza and guys like him don't grab offensive rebounds. That's a big deal. And Denver's just got to be better in general. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I still have concerns in general about uh, Flacco Chanchar, Zeke Naji, and that whole situation that the Nuggets are currently facing where a lot of times like Vlaco will make some connective plays and he has some good moments where uh, it, it wasn't necessarily shooting last night, but he connected the team, I thought, pretty well, got to the free throw line a couple times and was always keeping the ball moving. So you have a Murray Vlaco pick and roll, for example, and he's pretty good on the short roll where he can make good decisions. And yet I still don't feel super confident in it. I'm still trying, I'm still figuring out what it's going to look like in the playoffs when a team has scouted Denver or you get to a Western Conference Finals and you need something extra. You need something more than what they've provided. I just don't know where that's going to come from. So I had reacted to a report that Rui Hashimura, somebody like that from Washington, was uh, on the block and that uh, Washington was exploring trades. He's a guy that you put in that situation where you have him screening for Jamal or have him screening for Bones, and he can if he catches the ball, he can create off the dribble for himself or hit a spot up three or do some interesting things as a screen and roller and somebody like that. I think it's that kind of player that Denver may decide to look for over the course of these next three weeks. I don't think that they are going to just sit on their hands and not do anything at the trade deadline, but... It's something to watch as I don't know if the answer is Vlaco or Zeke or Jeff Green or DeAndre Jordan, but if you have a ton of like partial answers, I don't know if you have an actual answer. So going to be interesting to see what that looks like. But either way, let's get back to the game. Bones Highland, in the minutes that Jamal Murray was out there, a lower usage role for Bones Highland. He got off the ball. And in the first half, it didn't really work. First half, I thought that because Bones missed a couple shots, but more importantly, the rest of Denver's bench missed a lot of shots. And I thought Murray created some good looks uh, at the rim, some not so good looks. But overall, like Denver just missed a lot. And whether it was Vlaco, whether it was Christian Brown in in the first half when he was playing, Bones when he was out there, not necessarily the best offense. And Minnesota just kept scoring. They kept finding ways to get to the rim or get threes. And when you're also when you're always playing like that and trying to come back from a deficit like that against a team that just seems to have your number with Minnesota, you need a guy like Bones Highland to step up in that situation. And he was fine. I'm not going to like berate the point because Murray had it going and, and you want the ball in Murray's hands in a lot of that situation. But Bones also has to continue to find ways to be impactful. I thought his defense actually was pretty good. There were some good contests that he had, even against bigger guys. 
So there's part of it. And I think that the the defensive conversation with him has lessened over the course of the past five to 10 games or so because he's been better. And because even when teams have attacked him, like Anthony Simons tried to do in the game a couple nights ago, I think that he stepped up to the plate. And I think that Bones really handled it well. So he's got to balance it. There are times where he's good defensively, and and then the def- the offense doesn't necessarily show up. And there are a lot of times where the offense has been great, but the defense has been pretty poor. It's not necessarily his fault because of the way that Denver plays with their second unit. They're doing a lot of switching. They're like even if it's one five, they are trying to put Zeke in situations where he can guard one on one. D'Angelo Russell kind of cooked Zeke last night. Not necessarily the easiest matchup for Zeke to handle, but it was very interesting to see how Denver handled that. And it didn't go that well, but I don't know. Maybe this is just a second night of a back-to-back thing where the Nuggets didn't have as much energy. I don't know. Bones, though, I want to see him try to balance that out. He should be trying to get about 8 to 10 shots a night, I think is the right number for him. I think more than that a lot of the time, and you're forcing it a little bit too much, not getting others involved. And then tonight where he gets five, it's like, I think that Bruce Brown had it going. And so that's probably the next thing that we should talk about. Maybe this is just a situation where, hey, Bruce had it going, Jamal had it going, Bones got off ball and and did the right thing as a teammate and deserves credit for that, given the way that those two guys played, Jamal and Bruce. So Bruce Brown, 33 minutes, 16 points, 7 of 11 for the field, 1 of 1 from 3. Uh, just a really impressive offensive night for Bruce Brown outside of the free throw shooting. That was probably one thing where he shot 1 of 5 from the from the free throw line, and he missed his first four in a row. And there were a lot of groans. There were a lot of sighs when he, when he missed that last free throw attempt. But he made the final one that he took. So it's important. Hopefully gets the monkey off of his back. He's been mostly a good free throw shooter when he's been here in Denver. So hopefully that's not something that they have to worry about. He attacked the rim really hard and tried to finish through guys a lot. And to see a guy like that at 6'4", just challenging people, I think gives a really good momentum boost for the team. Where you have Jamal being the crafty finisher that he is with the floaters, with the step backs, with the turnarounds, things like that. Jokic is a crafty finisher as well. Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, those guys are forceful finishers where they are trying to go through you, go at you and over the top of you sometimes. And Bruce Brown, the way that he handled it, deserves a lot of credit for being that guy who can help set the tone and and always play hard, even in a situation where he's on the back-to-back. So efficient, effective, the three that he hit was a really big deal. It's the only one that he attempted, and I think that that's honestly like there are times where he has been a little bit too willing to shoot, and I think that the most opportune times for him to shoot are when he's left wide open, when he's in transition, whether it's in the corner, whether it's on a kickout, or if it's uh, a trailing three. Those are great opportunities for him to just okay take your time, set and fire. And he's been really, really great when he has time to set. So I think he should try to pick and choose a little bit more because he is so effective when he is driving and and getting to the teeth of the defense and drawing fouls as long as he's hitting free throws. So hopefully that continues. He was a plus 10 last night in his 33 minutes, despite everybody on the bench being a minus. 
because of how much he shared the time with the starters. It was just really good in those minutes. So credit where credit is due for sure. Um, I thought the defense with him was actually bad, like legitimately bad last night. Left a lot of guys on the perimeter, got cooked a couple times by Ant, wasn't necessarily making great decisions as a on-ball or off-ball defender. Maybe that's the back-to-back speaking. He played 18 minutes in a row in the second half. I thought the first half was probably worse than the second half, but still, like he isn't immune to making mistakes. And there were a lot of times where he looked like bones early in the season, or and like bones in December, basically, where you're staring at a spot that you're supposed to be at and then looking around being like, hey, why is nobody there when it was clearly Bruce's fault? Uh, this is going to be fine. I think it's going to pass. And he's one of those guys that has shown enough as a defender connected on and off ball that I'm not really concerned about it. The Nuggets still trusted him over Michael Porter at the end of the game. So there is something to just, hey, you've got another guy that you can really go to at pretty much any time and in pretty much any situation. So hopefully that continues. He's been pretty good overall. Um, By the way, Christian Brown played six minutes last night at the beginning of the second quarter for Bruce Brown. Uh, They played a Bones, Jamal, Christian Brown, Vlako Chantar, Zeke Naji lineup. That group, it wasn't great. Christian Brown had a couple of moments, like he had a couple steals, uh, had three rebounds, but he missed the two shots that he attempted. Was a minus three. Denver trying to figure out how to make it work. And Christian Brown was willing to fire. He was willing to go at it. The one layup that he attempted was kind of a runner. Attempted it with his right hand on the left side of the basket. He seems like a guy who he's athletic enough that he can mostly get away with that. But if he develops that left hand a little bit more on the left side of the basket, he may be a little bit more uh, successful in general, just finishing around the rim in those leverage situations where you're going downhill really hard and you're trying to finish doing so with your right hand when the defender is on your right side. Doesn't necessarily make sense to me, but hey, he's the professional athlete, so we'll see. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Nikola Jokic and the franchise record that he just set. We'll be right back. We're back. Big Axon Roll final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about how, well, well, actually, we'll first go over Denver's record. They continue to go on a major streak. They are first place in the Western Conference still, despite the fact that Memphis has won 11 games in a row. Memphis is really good. And for Denver to be able to hold their own for much of this time has been incredible. 32 and 13, won eight of their last eight games, nine and one in their last 10. The Memphis Grizzlies have won 11 games in a row, as I mentioned, and Denver is still a half game above them. Now, Memphis has had an easier schedule than Denver over the course of these last however many games, and they have really, like, they're actually basically reflecting what the Nuggets have done 
uh, home and away. Home, Denver's 21 and 3. They've won, I think, 15 in a row at home now. 11 and 10 on the road. Memphis is 20 and 3 and 11 and 10 on the road. So they have basically mirrored each other in how they are impacting things and how they are approaching their schedules. And so it's interesting to see both of those teams get hot at the same time. Sacramento's in, is third seed now. They are six games back, though. So it really does seem like Denver and Memphis are probably going to be your top two seeds heading into the playoffs. And who gets the one, who gets the two? Not necessarily sure it matters. It probably more depends on the rest of the bracket. But interesting to see that those teams have separated themselves. But let's get into Nikola Jokic now who set the all-time franchise record for assists. I think the record, it was uh, 36.80 around where Alex English had set it. And then Jokic broke it last night when he recorded his seventh assist. As I mentioned, it was the pitch ahead from out of bounds to KCP for a dunk. And it's very emblematic of who Jokic is, where he's always looking for the play ahead of the play. And he gets that on that play. It was very fantastic. Um, 3,686 assists is a lot. And Jamal Murray, I thought, actually had a, a very impressive point in the postgame presser where it's not just a lot of assists, it's a lot of passes that were then missed. And uh, sometimes that's something that fans complain about where, oh man, he set them up for a perfect assist and the guy bricked the jumper. Oh man. And Jokic has done that and also collected the assists during that stretch for seven and a half seasons and has been so efficient, so effective, setting up players for layups so often, even as the center, that he has helped change the game. He has helped change things for the Nuggets, for the franchise, but also for the NBA, where you have copycats like DeMontis Sabonis and Alperin Shangun and guys of that nature that are uh, hubs as the center and in the middle, and you're you're trying to run DHO offense and back cuts and things like that, where you can go to the post and get some kickouts. And a lot of those guys have learned from what Nikola Jokic has done when he has arrived. And Jokic is his own guy. He he kind of takes from various players, but in terms of just watching and appreciating his style, he's one of one. There's nobody that he really has mirrored in how his career has looked. I think if you look at a guy like uh, Joel Embiid, for example, you can see versions of Hakeem and of Shaquille O'Neal when watching a guy like Embiid. With Jokic, it's more varied. It's more versatile. And nobody has ever played the game the way that he's played it, at least in a seven-footer's body. Like he, It was funny. Uh, David Adelman last night, who's still coaching for Denver, got a second win, by the way, uh, compared that duo of Murray and Jokic to Stockton and Malone. And then there was an ensuing conversation in the media room of like, okay, so is Jokic Malone or is he Stockton? He's kind of both. He's kind of both of those guys in one where Murray is a different version of that, kind of the scoring but also can play make for Jokic version of that. But Jokic is the guy who sets teams up or who sets his teammates up like Stockton, but he also posts up and finishes around the rim like Malone, not necessarily above the rim, but just in in all manners. So 
It's been really, really impressive to watch him throughout his career. And I have this question on the bottom. Where is Jokic going to finish in all-time assists? Not just for the Nuggets, because he now has that record, but where is he going to finish all-time for his own totals? And will that kind of impact the overall conversation on him? I did the math. Right now, he has 3,686. He, in, in his last four seasons prior to this one, has put up in between 500 and 600. So I think that you can safely assume that for those times, like 550 is around the right number to multiply by. But this year, he's on pace for, like I don't know, 750 or so. He's been really, really good and just hasn't missed a lot of time. So if he puts up a crazy number like that, I'm going to say he gets another 300 this season and then averages about 600 assists per game or per season for the next five seasons of his Supermax deal. I don't think like maybe his scoring goes down in those situations, but I don't think his passing is going down. I think he's going to be a guy who always averages a bunch of assists because that's what he wants to do. So if he plays and, and plays a lot for Denver over the course of the next five seasons, uh, five and a half, then I think that there's an outside chance that he gets to about 7,000. I have him at 6,986, which is just on the outside of the top 10 or top 20 all time. And that's crazy. That is a crazy, crazy number. It's not all time goat passer worthy, but he's pretty close. And if he plays longer than that into his mid to late 30s, I think you've seen like a guy like Stockton just played for 20, 22 seasons, I think the number is, and just never stopped. So if Jokic continues to play until he's 40, then maybe this conversation changes and he gets up to 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 assists. But I know that if he plays into his mid to late 30s, he could realistically get over 8,000. That's kind of the threshold that I would say. That would put him into the uh, top tier passer category all time. It would put him into the top 15 all time. And the only other players that are non-point guard sized in that stretch are LeBron and Magic. LeBron is crazy. Like he's a fantastic passer. He's had the ball in his hands for a long time. And so he was able to rack up assists from an early time. Jokic was a little bit slower because he averaged, I think, two or so assists in his rookie season. Then about six, uh, no, five. He averaged five in his sophomore, his second year, six per game in his third season. And then it was his fourth season where he really started to uh, push those numbers up a little bit higher into the seven range. Now he's at 9.9 on the season and 9.9 per game. And so if he averages closer to that, then maybe it's a little bit different than the 500 to 600 assists on the season threshold that he's been putting up lately. But I don't know. Like, I think the most important thing is that he has pretty good longevity uh, because he plays a lot. He assists a lot. He's going to be more than willing to pass. That's actually what he would prefer to do if the Nuggets continue to score. And honestly, if they keep Jamal Murray and Michael Porter around and guys like that, Aaron Gordon around for much of the career, then those guys are always going to be pretty awesome, I think. There's no reason why there would be lesser fits in general around Jokic. So if those guys are willing and able to score and shoot off of Jokic passes consistently, then maybe I'm underselling what Jokic does. 
But the most important thing for the all-time number is the all-time assist by a center, which is 56-60, set by Kareem in his extended period of time. Kareem, I don't think Jokic is ever going to catch up as a scorer. That's never going to be a thing. But if Jokic goes down as the all-time GOAT passer for a center, he's going to have to have the most assists for a center. That's just kind of a given. So 5,660, Jokic is at 3,686 right now. He needs 2,000 assists. That could happen in the next three to four seasons. I think as long as Jokic stays relatively healthy, in three years, maybe he's got it. Maybe it happens in the fourth season. But by the time his career is all said and done, I think the Jokic is going to go down as the GOAT passer for anybody that is not like a point guard. I think he'll be a better passer than LeBron. Maybe. Actually, you know what? That's that's kind of a crazy thing to say in terms of just all-time generational passers. But you never know. Like He keeps pushing the conversation even further. That's a crazy thing to say. I'm really excited to see if I'm actually right about that, but we'll just have to see. Finally, um, I want to talk about why the playoffs are such a big deal for Joker's reputation specifically. He is now minus money to win MVP. He is now in a situation where he could win his third in a row, and it's actually probably more likely than not the way that he is playing that he wins his third in a row. I don't see any reason why he would slow down over the course of these next couple months. Like He's going to be putting up crazy numbers, and the Nuggets are going to keep winning. Uh, as long as they play the right way, as long as their defense doesn't slack off for the rest of the next couple of months, it's going to be in a situation where it's going to be hard to give it to anybody else. Maybe it does happen. Like There's still obviously an opportunity for it. But if he wins his third MVP and then Denver loses in the first round to the Golden State Warriors again because Golden State catches fire and Denver just can't keep up with them, that's going to be a really tough situation for Denver. That's that's going to be a really tough situation for all of us folks online that are trying to defend Jokic's honor and 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 Denver's actual title hopes. Because Golden State is not the same version of the team that they were last year. They had better veterans. They had more stability. They had uh, just more in general, uh, more confidence. They're still going to have confidence if you get into a playoff series with them this year. But if it's Golden State, or it's the LA Clippers, or it's the Lakers, or it's the Suns, or somebody like that in the first round, where Denver has to face against that team, if they lose in the first round, then there's there's a lot of questions that are going to need to be asked. I don't know what it's going to look like. Maybe we don't know the context yet. Maybe Jokic plays an incredible series, and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter play horrible. Maybe that's what happens. Uh, or maybe it's... Denver can't defend at all, but it's not necessarily Jokic's fault. Maybe they're just attacking other weaknesses. I doubt that. Like I, I think that Denver's going to be fine, but there's always a chance where a team gets hot for a series and Denver just really struggles to stop anything. If that happens, then the takes are going to be unbelievable. It's going to be so painful to listen to all the conversation about it because some of it's going to be fair. Some of the criticism is going to be fair. Some of it's going to go over the top and there will be a lot of laughter. There will be a lot of crazy stuff. But I do think that 
Denver's got to really push forward this year. They have like they have their opportunity. They are first in the West. They're a really good team. If they lose in the Western Conference Finals, it is what it is. You're one of the final four teams standing. Let's say you lose to the Memphis Grizzlies and Ja. Okay, it is what it is. I think that the Nuggets are a better team than the Grizzlies. I think that they, in that matchup, would be really, really good. But uh, there's always a possibility that I'm wrong on that. And if you lose in six games to probably just one of the most fantastic guards and then a defensive player that you're candidate, oh well, like it is what it is. If you lose before that to a team that is clearly inferior in record and in strength, but they have just a better playoff version of themselves, then Denver's got a lot of questions to answer. And honestly, Jokic has a lot of questions to answer. Those answers are never going to come in the regular season. Teams will attack him and Denver will, like Jokic sometimes will step off the gas in the first two and a half to three quarters and then really ramp it up in the fourth quarter like you saw this last game. I thought he played pretty well, especially down the stretch. Sometimes guys scored over him, sometimes guys scored around him, but he had some really good moments of verticality in the Blazers game and in the Wolves game, and that's what you want most. So hopefully they can get into that and be fine when the playoffs come around, but it is a very strong possibility that Denver doesn't play well and that they go out a little bit earlier than expected because their offense has been fantastic. But if it slows down just a hair, it puts so much pressure on the defense, which has been hit or miss. I posted this last night that Denver, in their first 23 games, had a defensive rating that ranked 26th. In their last 22 games, so basically splitting those segments into two, they're the ninth ranked defense. In their first 23 games, they're on the road a ton. In their last 22 games, they've been at home a ton. On the road, they have a 26th ranked defensive rating. At home, they have a 6th ranked defensive rating. It might just be as simple as Denver defends better at home, and they're capable of kind of getting up for those matchups, which is why getting the one seed, or at least getting the two seed, is a really big deal for Denver. Having a really strong record, having that home court advantage for a team like the Nuggets might mean more than a lot of teams. Denver's offense travels really well when you go on the road. They've been pretty good, especially when compared to other teams. But their defense has gone completely crazy on the road so far. Some of that has been circumstantial due to uh, just everything that Denver's had to go through. They had a really tough road schedule at the beginning. And then the latest road games that they've played have been tough in terms of finding... um, what am I trying to say? Like a lot of them were back to backs. This last one was without Nikola Jokic, and they won that game against the Clippers, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But I do think that Denver's defense overall it does struggle more when they go on the road. So I hope that their defense is somewhere in the middle of that and is actually just average, and then they could reach higher levels when they need to. I think that that's probably what it is. I think that if you are the Nuggets, you should feel confidence in that. And honestly, the great thing about the Nuggets is that when they reduce their rotation, and it's going to be six players that are playing 35 plus minutes with Bruce Brown kind of filling in at different points, they are going to be a better defense in general. 
because you've got better defenders. Like all of their best defenders are in their starting unit. Uh, and plus Bruce Brown. So that's the most important thing for them. They have to find probably another guy who can contribute to that when they reduce their rotation, but we're going to see. We're going to see what it looks like. And I hope that Denver can capitalize on the opportunity that they have, because if they don't, then there's going to be a lot of uh, shit talking about Nikola Jokic. And I don't really want that. I want to see him get a title. And if he gets his third MVP in the same year that he gets a title and the Nuggets get a title, he'll probably go down as a top 20 player at worst all the all time. He's on track for that and might be high. So it would be really, really impressive if that were to happen. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, schedule got all out of whack because of my internet going out. We'll figure out what works and what doesn't. Maybe I'll record later tonight. Maybe I'll record tomorrow morning as well. We will see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys very soon.